Welcome to the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman, where Jerry reads a chapter from the New Testament and gives us key insights and life applications along the way. For more information about the Solid Life Journal and reading plans, visit solidlives.com. And now, let's get into today's reading. All right, here we go. Acts chapter 13. So it says, now in the church that was at Antioch. So notice the church that was at Antioch. So there are different churches. There were many, many churches by this point. Now at the church that was at Antioch, and let me just mention, likely there were multiple house churches at Antioch, but they would be generally addressed as the church. In other words, the body of Christ that lived in that city. Now in the church that was at Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers. Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manaen, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. As they ministered to the Lord. So at the church, which is at Antioch, there were prophets, there were teachers, they were gathered together. And as they ministered, watch, to the Lord. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, The Holy Spirit said, let me just tell you, the Holy Spirit is not an it. The Holy Spirit is a person and he speaks. It says, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, if we'll minister to the Lord, if we'll fast and pray, if we'll press into God, we'll hear the Holy Spirit speaking to us as well. So the Holy Spirit said, now listen to what he said. Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So I have already called Barnabas and Saul, who became Paul. I have already called them, but now separate them to me. Separate them from what? From your group, from your church, from your ministry. Separate them unto the assignment that I have already called them to do. So this is a calling and a separation. They were called before, but now the Holy Spirit saying, now it's time to go and do your assignment. You know, David, you remember, he was the shepherd boy, the youngest of Jesse's sons. And the prophet Samuel came and ended up anointing him as king. But, you know, it wasn't for quite a number of years before he actually became the king. He was called or anointed years before. And then years later, he actually was installed as the king. And he would not do anything to harm Saul, who was presently the Lord's anointed. Do you remember the story? In the same way, God will reveal a calling to you, a grace that's on your life, but that doesn't mean that you're now separated unto that calling. He's letting you know so that you can prepare, pursue, pray, get yourself ready so that whenever the Holy Spirit says now, then it's time for a separation unto that assignment and unto that calling. So now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then having fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them away. So they laid hands on them. Who did? These certain prophets and teachers laid hands on them and sent them out to do what the Lord had called them to do. Barnabas and Saul, who became Paul. Verse 4, so being sent out by the Holy Spirit. Isn't that interesting? 
Yes, they were sent out by these prophets, these teachers, these leaders of the church at Antioch. But notice the Holy Spirit's in charge. We need to let the Holy Spirit be in charge. He always knows what to do. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. And when they arrived in uh, Salamis, they preached the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews. They also had John as their assistant. That was John Mark who wrote the Gospel of Mark. Verse 6, Now when they had gone through the island of Paphos, they found a certain sorcerer, a false prophet, a Jew whose name was Bar-Jesus, who was with the proconsul. Proconsul was kind of like a governor of sorts. Sergius Paulus, an intelligent man. This man called for Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God, talking about the proconsul. But Elymas, the sorcerer, for so his name is translated, withstood them, seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. Then Saul, who is also called Paul, there it is, there's the transition, who is also called Paul, and from here on out, he's going to be generally referred to as Paul. Then Saul, who is also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him and said, at Elymas the sorcerer, who's trying to turn away this proconsul, this governor, ruler of sorts, away from the gospel. Then Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him and said, O full of all deceit and all fraud, you son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, will you not cease perverting the straight ways of the Lord? And indeed, the hand of the Lord is upon you, and you shall be blind, not seeing the sun for a time. I mean, Paul, this is a word of wisdom. This is a manifestation of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is telling him what to say. And when he speaks this out, you're going to be blind for a time because of this. And watch this. And immediately a dark mist fell on him and he went around seeking someone to lead him by the hand. Boy, Paul just spoke it out by the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit went into operation and caused this guy to experience temporary blindness. Verse 12, then the proconsul believed when he saw what had been done. Boy, now all of a sudden, not only did I want to hear the word of God, but I believe what you're saying because the power of God's operating with you. So you can see how uh, miracles, signs, and wonders don't just bring the faith that people need for salvation. You have to hear the word, but they sure do corroborate the message that is preached. So it says, then the proconsul believed when he saw what had been done, being astonished at the teaching of the Lord, not just at the miracle, but being astonished at the teaching of the Lord. Now, when Paul and his party set sail from Paphos, they came to Perga in Pamphylia and John departing from them. Here's where John Mark defected, so to speak, from the team. And John departing from them returned to Jerusalem. But when they departed from Perga, they came to Antioch in Pisidia and went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and sat down. And after the reading of the law and the prophets, the ruler of the synagogue sent to them saying, men and brethren, if you have any word of exhortation for the people, say on. This is the Holy Spirit opening up doors for them to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because, you know, Jews in the synagogue generally, they don't believe that Jesus is the Messiah. So here they are sitting in the synagogue going to the service, so to speak. And they're sent word by the ruler saying, hey, if you have a word, you want to preach, come on. Then Paul stood up. And motioning with his hand, said, Men of Israel, 
And you who fear God, listen. The God of this people, Israel, chose our fathers and exalted the people when they dwelt as strangers in the land of Egypt. So he's going to go back through some of the history. So he's relating to the Jewish people what the Old Testament taught them about their own history. And, of course, what had been passed down from family members. And they dwelt as strangers in the land of Egypt, and with an uplifted arm, he, God, brought them out of it. Now, for a time of about 40 years, he put up with their ways in the wilderness. And when he had destroyed seven nations in the land of Canaan, he distributed their land to them by allotment. God distributed the land of Canaan, Israel, to the tribes of Israel, the families of Israel, by allotment. Verse 20. After that, he gave them judges for about 450 years until Samuel, the prophet. There's the book of Judges. And afterward, they asked for a king. So God gave them Saul, the son of Kish, a man of the tribe of Benjamin for 40 years. And when he had removed him, he raised up for them David as king, to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, who will do all my will. Isn't that interesting? All these centuries after David lived, and now here's Paul bringing this up. Here's the Holy Spirit inspiring it to be captured in Scripture. God loved David because David loved God. Verse uh, 23, from this man's seed, talking about David, according to the promise, God raised up for Israel a Savior, Jesus. After John had first preached before John the Baptist, had first preached before his coming the baptism of repentance to all the people of Israel, and as John was finishing his course or his ministry assignment, he said, Who do you think I am? I am not he, but behold, there comes one after me, the sandals of whose feet I am not worthy to loose. Men and brethren, sons of the family of Abraham, and those among you who fear God, to whom the word of this salvation has been sent. For those who dwell in Jerusalem and their rulers, because they did not know him, nor even the voices of the prophets, which are read in the Sabbath, are read every Sabbath, have fulfilled them, in condemning him. So in the Jews condemning Jesus to death, along with the Romans, that fulfilled prophecy about the Messiah being cut off, for example, in the book of Daniel, the ninth chapter, verse 28. And though they found no cause for death in him, they asked Pilate that he should be put to death. Now, when they had fulfilled all that was written concerning him, they took him down from the tree and laid him in a tomb. But God raised him from the dead. He was seen for many days by those who came up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem, who are his witnesses to the people. And we declare to you glad tidings, that promise which was made to the fathers. God has fulfilled this for us, their children, in that he has raised up Jesus, as is also written in the second Psalm. Now watch closely. God raised up Jesus, as it is also written in the second Psalm. You are my, my son. Today I have begotten you. Now wait a minute. What day? Well, he said, he raised up Jesus from the dead, as it's written in the second Psalm, you are my son, today I have begotten you. Today, what day? The day he raised him from the dead. And if you missed it there, look, look at this next part. And that he raised him from the dead 
no more to return to corruption. So it's so clear that this passage is talking about the resurrection from the dead. Now, of course, Jesus was the son of God before he was raised from the dead. But remember this, that he took our sin upon him and died with it. But when God raised him from the, from the dead, the Bible says he was the firstborn among many brethren. So he was brought back to life just as later we are brought back to life by being born again. We become sons of God by being born again. Well, Jesus was the firstborn from the dead. That means that there are others of us that are born from the dead into the family of God. So God was saying Jesus was the first one that came through this doorway of being raised from the deadness of sin. It wasn't his sin. It was our sin that he died with. But God raised him from that death caused by sin, raised him up as the firstborn among many brethren. Praise God. So firstborn among many brethren doesn't relate to his Bethlehem birth. It relates to his resurrection from the dead. He was born from the dead. We've been born from the dead. And so uh, he said, this a messianic prophecy from the Psalms, you are my son, today I have begotten you, was a messianic prophecy of God raising him from the dead, being birthed again to life as the son of God, powerful. And that he raised him from the dead, verse 34, no more to return to corruption. He has spoken thus, I will give you, and this is a quote from uh, the book of Isaiah, the 55th chapter, I will give you the sure mercies of David. Therefore, he also says in another Psalm, you will not allow your Holy One to see corruption. You're not going to allow your Holy One, Jesus, to be in the grave long enough to even start decaying. Thank God. Verse 36, for David, after he had served his own generation by the will of God, fell asleep and was buried with his fathers and saw corruption. David's body decayed. So in other words, that wasn't a prophecy about David. That was a prophecy about David's descendant, the son of David, who is Jesus. Verse 37, but he whom God raised up saw no corruption. Talking about Jesus. Therefore, let it be known to you, brethren, that through this man, Jesus, is preached to you the forgiveness of sins, and by him everyone who believes is justified from all things from which you could not be justified by the law of Moses. Beware, therefore, lest what has been spoken in the prophets come upon you. And then he's going to quote, Behold, you despisers, marvel and perish, for I work a work in your days, a work which you will by no means believe, though one were to declare it to you. So when the Jews went out of the synagogue, the Gentiles begged that these words might be preached to them the next Sabbath. So notice the Jews went out of the, uh, out of the synagogue first, and the Gentiles said, hey, can you come back next Saturday, next Sabbath, and preach and share this, uh, share more about this with us? Verse 43, now when the congregation had broken up, many of the Jews and devout proselytes followed Paul and Barnabas, who speaking to them, persuaded to them, or excuse me, persuaded them to continue in the grace of God. What does that mean, the grace of God? As opposed to trying to keep the Old Testament law to be righteous, which could not be done, continue in the grace of God that came through Jesus Christ. He died for your sins. He paid for them. Receive his grace and forgiveness that way. Verse 44, on the next Sabbath, almost the whole city came together to hear the word of God. But when the Jews saw the multitudes, watch, they were filled with envy. 
Oh, let me tell you, it wasn't necessarily that they weren't convicted and didn't want to receive the message. But no, they did not want crowds to go after Paul and Barnabas instead of them, their leadership. So it says, they were filled with envy and contradicting and blaspheming. They opposed the things spoken by Paul. Some people oppose and contradict and question and criticize, not because they necessarily disagree, but because of envy. They, they want the attention for themselves. Verse 46, then Paul and Barnabas grew bold and said, it was necessary that the word of God should be spoken to you first, talking about the Jews. But since you reject and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, behold, we turn to the Gentiles, for so the Lord has commanded us. I have said, and he's going to quote from the Old Testament, 42nd, 49th chapters of Isaiah. I have set you as a light to the Gentiles, that you should be for salvation to the ends of the earth. Now, when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord. And as many as had been appointed to eternal life believed. And the word of the Lord was being spread throughout all the region. But the Jews stirred up the devout and prominent women and the chief men of the city raised up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them from their region. But they shook off the dust from their feet. Do you remember Jesus told the 12 apostles in Matthew chapter 10, if you go into a city and they don't receive you, just shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them and go somewhere else. So, but they shook off the dust from their feet against them. And in other words, we don't even want to carry the dust from a city like this that rejects the gospel. And uh, they shook the dust off their feet as a testimony against them uh, from their feet against them and came to Iconium, and the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Praise God. Well, you learn so much from every one of these chapters, don't you? And so thanks for reading with me today. And chapter 14 is going to be another powerful chapter. A miracle happens, but there's some detail about that miracle that you're really going to want to hear. So uh, be with me tomorrow for Acts chapter 14. Thank you for joining us for the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman. And thank you to those of you who have partnered with Solid Lives to help get this daily podcast and other resources like it to thousands of people around the world. If you would like to partner with Solid Lives, visit solidlives.com give. To find out more about the ministry of Solid Lives, how you can be a part of this church planting and disciple making movement, or for more great teachings and resources by Jerry, visit solidlives.com. We also want to invite you to check out Jerry's other podcast called The Jerry Dearman Podcast. Here, Jerry shares with us at least weekly from God's Word, challenging us and equipping us to fulfill the amazing plan that God has for our lives. You can find links to this podcast as well as Jerry's YouTube channel online at solidlives.com. Thank you again so much for joining us and we'll see you right here tomorrow as we jump into the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman.